Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. It's been less than a week since Mike Johnson was confirmed as Speaker of the House, but the chamber has actually been quite busy on energy policy. The full House passed a sweeping energy and water funding bill aimed at gutting the Inflation Reduction Act. And then the House Energy and Commerce Committee put forward a slate of nuclear-friendly bills that have bipartisan support, along with more partisan bills aimed at undermining Biden administration rules. What exactly this all means for the the end-of-the-year scramble to keep Congress funded and pass new legislation remains to be seen. So today, we chat with Politico's Kelsey Tamburino about last week's energy action in the House and what it says about Mike Johnson's speakership so far and moving forward. It's Monday, October 30th. So the big piece of legislation was the energy and water funding bill for fiscal year 2024. And this is the legislation that would fund the Energy Department, the Army Corps of Engineers, the Bureau of Reclamation. And it had been on tap to be the next piece of legislation that lawmakers were going to consider before former Speaker Kevin McCarthy was ousted. So it had been on the back burner for weeks now, and the chamber finally passed it on Friday, largely along party lines. No Democrats supported it, and one Republican voted with Democrats against it. Okay, so let's also talk about the slate of bills that was advanced by the Energy and Commerce Committee last week. I know that there were nearly a dozen bills that passed in a bipartisan manner that were largely focused on nuclear. And actually, a good handful of those bills is very in line with the Senate's Advance Act, which aims to expand the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission's ability to promote U.S. nuclear technologies abroad. It also wants to improve the agency's efficiency, lower costs for developers, and generally strengthen the domestic supply chain for critical nuclear fuels, among other things. So there's at least momentum there toward getting something done on nuclear in both chambers. But some of those other bills that passed were quite partisan, right? So could you talk about some of those other bills that the committee advanced last week? Yeah. So to your point, yes, there were a a handful of bills that they also advanced that were from Republicans and and didn't have support from Democrats that kept up with what we've been seeing from Republicans on criticism for the Energy Department, for example. So a couple bills related to efficiency efforts at DOE. And this is something that we've seen quite a bit from House Republicans. They've claimed that the Biden administration's efficiency agenda limits consumers' choice and amounts to a de facto ban on fossil fuels. The administration, of course, pushes back on this and says that their efficiency measures across the border are meeting congressional requirements and save consumers money, businesses money. But we've seen a a flood of legislation from Republicans taking aim at specific efficiency standards. So legislation last week that passed the subcommittee related to that in terms of prohibiting the Energy Department from determining any an energy efficiency standard that would result in increased cost to consumers or the unavailability of products based on fuel type, and that that passed the subcommittee. And then there was also a bill related to the efficiency standards for mobile homes that the Energy Department is moving on and to prohibit them from finalizing that, as well as legislation related to distribution transformers, which is a bipartisan concern. We've seen concerns from folks on that proposed standard from the energy department, but 
the approach that House Republicans are taking was not something that Democrats supported in committee, and they, even with their own concerns of that proposal, did not vote to advance that. We saw legislation from the committee, subcommittee chairman, related to the Federal Power Act and requiring coordination with FERC and other agencies and regulations that could threaten the reliability of the bulk power system. And, and that was really seen as a response to Republicans' anger and ire at the administration over its power plant rule, which I know, Kat, is something that you are covering as well. But yeah, there was also legislation on hydropower that advanced out of the subcommittee that would expand hydropower by accelerating the licensing process and loosening environmental reviews. And again, that's something that we could see bipartisan support for, but the version of the bill that was initially moving forward through the subcommittee did not have Democratic support, although some members expressed some confidence that they could see common ground there. So that's a pretty big list from the Energy and Commerce Committee. And to get back to kind of what Speaker Johnson was able to get past this week, we saw this really big energy and water funding bill that would include deep cuts to the Inflation Reduction Act. Can you talk more about what's in that bill and its prospects for the Senate? Yeah. So the energy and water spending bill is really a sweeping piece of legislation that, again, speaks to a lot of Republican priorities on the Biden administration's climate and clean energy efforts. The bill claws back some spending from the Inflation Reduction Act and rescinds some funding there for energy rebate programs and other efficiency measures. There's also language in there that targets other clean energy programs that the administration is pursuing. And there's some language in there targeting what Republicans have deemed as the Biden administration's, quote, woke agenda. So there's also language in there that was adopted that specifically would cut funding for the Biden administration's new American Climate Corps. So we see a lot of priorities from the Republicans that were put in in this bill. It doesn't have any chance of advancing in the Senate in its current form, as the White House has said it would veto it already. And also, it's not something that would align with the priorities on the Senate side. Got it. Okay, so taking a step back, what does all of this say about Speaker Johnson's path forward on energy policies and also governance more broadly? Do we have any sense of whether this bodes well for his ability to keep the government open? Yeah, I mean, the energy and water bill that passed last week was the fifth of 12 individual spending bills that Republicans have been pursuing on the House side. So there's still seven pieces, big spending bills that need to pass in that chamber. But I think what we've seen so far is that there's a little bit of leeway that Republicans are at least initially giving to the new Speaker Johnson as he kind of works through his priorities in the chamber. There's also a looming November deadline for funding to run dry from the previous stopgap funding bill. And so it's looking likely that lawmakers will need to pass a new extension into next year. And that's something that I think we see initial support from from Republicans. What remains to be seen, though, is the path forward in the Senate and in negotiations with the White House. Some of the stumbling blocks that we saw former Speaker Kevin McCarthy meet with more conservative Republicans in the House, it remains to be seen if we'll see that again with Speaker Johnson initially, right? We're seeing some leeway there, like I said. But when it push comes to shove on negotiating total funding levels established by the debt ceiling in the summer, it remains to be seen if conservatives are going to really push for more aggressive spending cuts there or if they're going to align with what was established in that deal, which some centrist Republicans are pushing for. So that dynamic is still yet to play out and is something to watch going forward. Also, 
The United Arab Emirates has said it will not repeat as the host of the United Nations Climate Change Conference next year. That's what this year's conference director general said on Friday, amid rumors that the UAE would host the talks again. The 2024 conference is supposed to be held in Eastern Europe, but currently does not have a host country because the matter has been complicated by the Russian invasion of Ukraine and frayed relations between other potential host countries. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.